0: This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. I'm Tom Duncan,
1: 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton.
0: And I'll admit, folks, uh, this has been kind of a difficult week for me. Um, I have focused on just about anything uh, other than football. There, there's there been a lot going on personally and in the country this week. This has not been front of mind. We apologize for this being late, uh, for all of the other things that go with it, but we thank you for sticking around and um, giving us an opportunity to at least bring you some uh, distraction, if you will, because... It's time to turn to normal life now. We're recording this on Sunday morning uh, before the games, and we hope to get this to you with a little bit of time uh, so that uh, you can help set your lineups or uh, do the things you need to do. Maybe a few things to consider while you're watching the games today. We've already had one game go down in week nine, but before we get to that, if you'd like to contact the show uh, and have a question for us, DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Again, that's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Uh, we would appreciate any feedback. Uh, some basic, uh, I guess, let's float this one. I know that you're not nearly as high on him as I am, but uh, I did get a uh, question over my, let's say, valuation of Brandon Auk from Dumpster Fire yesterday. And my position was, and I I think this is where it's potentially valuable for the show, that even though my team has had a bad couple of weeks, it's probably going to lose this week because I have either everybody out on COVID, injury, or a bye week, that I still probably should prioritize trying to, in the short term, go for a title. And Auk, especially with Debo out... Uh, is going to be receiving a lot of touches. We saw on Thursday night that Richie James for the 49ers got uh, a ton of them in the role that apparently was supposed to go to Brandon Ayuk before he was put on the COVID list. So you just kind of wonder if he's um, actually a decent enough player for flex consideration in a lot of situations uh, coming up and whether or not that's going to be um, as valuable as anybody else you might trade for. So, I don't know if you wanted to take a look at both teams and just... I My eventual opinion was that um, there wasn't anybody on his current roster that would give me an upgrade in the short term enough for me to deal away a potentially uh, good player. Uh, if this had been a different situation where you could deal on future picks or uh, future players, then maybe we would have some different considerations. But given where I'm at... And I think where some of the other listeners might be at, because we're getting into the time of the year where, you know, there's maybe four weeks left after today. If you're going for a title, you may need to consider, do these guys offer me short-term upgrades? Not just in redraft, but since this is a Dynasty League show, where would I put my team?
1: Yeah, you know, looking at his squad, he really doesn't have a lot to, um, to give up. And, you know, you're right, the trade deadline is also in a week for us. Um, It's not that I'm necessarily um, not high on Brandon Ayuk. I just feel that with the 49er offense, everybody is a little bit unpredictable because there's so many – the scheme, I guess, doesn't really gear towards one person. It's about getting in the right play and just making the right play. You know, for example, like the Packers, they – kind of force feed Devonte Adams. So you'd want to have Devonte Adams. I don't think Brandon Ayuk, to no fault of his own, is ever going to have that type of impact on his team just because that's not the type of offense that they that they like to run. So I think he's a great player. I think he's a great talent. It's just for me, and I've said this before, I like consistency. I know what I'm going to get from week in to week out. The separation between his floor and his ceiling is just a little too much for me.
0: So the one consideration I'll make, and I've been paying attention, this is a guy I purely drafted because uh, he was high up on a board. He was the first overall pick, and he's going into a potentially talented offense with a guy who's a great play caller. And so I thought, if anything, he might grow into the role. That Initially, he might not be part of that, but he's actually shown up a little bit sooner than I thought he might have. The pure and simple fact is, is as I've been paying attention, last year he led college football in yards after the reception. So he's an extremely gifted player after the catch and in space. And there is no better offense right now that probably grants people space than any of these Shanahan-type offenses that scheme guys into space and then allow them to kind of work off of that. So if he has opportunities, and right now you know Debo's scratched up, uh, George Kittle is clearly not going to be playing for quite a while, there are going to be opportunities. I heard it on Thursday night during the game that uh, before he was uh, scheduled out, that the game plan initially was to get him about 75% of the receiving plays, that they were scheduled to make him a focal point of everything that was going to be going on for them. So that does give me some encouragement. And right now, if you can tell me that I have a young player that, uh, you know, come next year is going to be a focal point of the 49ers passing game, when they may or may not have a different quarterback who, uh, potentially offers more than Garoppolo, or if Garoppolo is healthy again, uh, that you know the they have a lot more opportunities now that they've got different weaponry. Uh, I, I think the long term upside as well as the short term upside is one where giving him up on that scenario wouldn't be right. But who, who is the type of guy that you might feel comfortable trading him for in Dynasty?
1: Who that's a. That's a really good question.
0: I mean, we could substitute in his name for any of these young, young guys. Cause right. You start thinking about some of the young guys that we've had him Jordan or Justin Jefferson, uh, CD lamb, who obviously was having a really good year before, uh, Dak Prescott got hurt. Um, you throw in, uh, I'm trying to think T Higgins is in that category. Um, maybe even chase Claypool. And, uh, I, I think the valuations are much, much different, but... Uh. I mean,
1: I think Claypool is a little bit ahead of Brandon. I, the people that I would tra- raid like, straight up right now, I guess, would be maybe, like, Travis Fulgham from Philadelphia. I'd trade maybe for him. Maybe Alan Lazard. Uh, maybe yeah. a little above, Sterling Shepard. Jalen maybe
0: For what he is long-term, I don't like either of those guys as long-term, given where... So Fulgham is a practice squad guy, um, Alan Lazard is kind of too, but he's going to be with a quarterback uh, who uh, might be done in a couple of years, so I, I don't know about his full long-term availability. I'm thinking more of in the range, uh, would you be willing to trade Auk for J.K. Dobbins?
1: No. No way. I, I mean, f- for me, I think J.K. Dobbins could end up being one of the better backs coming out of this um, draft. And running backs, I feel, just hold more weight than wide receivers. We know wide receivers last longer. So I guess so, it really depends, too, on where, what position your team is at. Are you in win now, or are you like, looking to win within the next couple of years, or are you rebuilding?
0: Well, this is we're, – we're taking it on the example of where my current team is at. You know, you're kind of sitting in those top spots. You don't necessarily feel good about your roster po- or potentially being there to win the whole thing. But because of your position, it kind of requires it because at this point you can't really – I don't want to use the term tank because you shouldn't really be tanking, quote-unquote, in fantasy football. But you you can't try and finish out of the the playoffs in order to get a better draft position or it's something. I I'm trying to parse my words as carefully as possible. But basically, if you had a okay, let's say it's any of these promising young wide receivers from this class, and you were looking for to shore up a position. You know, would you look at uh, for long-term viability? Would you trade Auk for Aaron Rodgers if you were short at quarterback?
1: Yeah, I think that range is about right. Would you think Darren Waller? <sighs> if okay. I'm, oh, if I'm like, would I trade? I guess. Sorry, would I trade? Brandon Ayuk for Darren Waller, or would I trade Darren Waller for Andrew or for Brandon Ayuk?
0: Let's assume you're the owner of Ayuk, and all of these trades are from yeah. that standpoint.
1: Would I trade Brandon Ayuk for Darren Waller? Yes, I would. And I'm sorry, then I need to correct my last one. Would I trade Brandon Ayuk for J.K. Dobbins? Absolutely, in a
0: heartbeat. You know, I mean, I'm trying, to think, of a, I'm trying to think of where the line truly I feel is. feel like I, I think this is. Such a, a unique decision by comparison. Obviously, we're just extrapolating from a larger standpoint than we normally would be because of the circumstances and context. But I'm trying to provide the long-term thinking where people – if they're this is the first time you're in Dynasty, this is the type of stuff that you've got to assume. You've got to not only think about the short-term but the long-term, and this is the thing. Not only – if I offered enough short-term viability, uh, I think the classic example would be somebody like Todd Gurley, who Dumpster Fire just traded for Cooper Cup and a pick upgrade. You know, If, if you were willing to get rid of Auk, it would be for somebody like that who offered you short-term uh, upgrade at the running back position. That type of situation in a a normal circumstance, if he were healthy and the offense were back at its peak, you might say somebody like Raheem Mostert might be maybe in that category. I don't think you're getting one of the top backs. I don't think you're trading Joe Mixon if you're in a bad position for him. Uh, But, I mean, I I think reasonably you could ask for Jonathan Taylor, CEH,
1: Maybe. In, in Dynasty or in Redraft? Because not in Dynasty, man. I, I understand that um, Jonathan Taylor and even Clyde Edwards Hilaire to a certain extent are not living up to expectations, but one careers are so long.
0: Not at the I'm running back position. We, yeah, we've I, said it on multiple occasions. So here's here's my argument, okay? And this is just simply an argument. I think I would place because of how, especially if you're in a PPR, a full PPR league, for your team. I mean, we talked about it when we were reconstructing Ed's team before the draft. That receiver was probably a better way to go to draft for him initially because you wanted to put together long-term depth and build your your team out that way and then put the running backs in at the back end unless you had one of those like absolute studs you can't pass up type of guys you know the Saquon Barkley's the Zeke's that type of situation which even then like Christian McCaffrey went in the, with the fourth pick in the first round one year his uh rookie draft for us mm-hmm. so like it, you know what I'm saying a little bit of that that I think if you really thought maybe maybe Ayuk is not the right player for, uh, let's say, CEH or um, Jonathan Taylor, but... Yeah,
1: I'd need two Brandon Ayukes for one Jonathan Taylor.
0: I think Justin one. Jefferson would make sense.
1: Justin Jefferson, I think, I think is in that range-ish. Justin um, Jefferson I makes would still need some sense more.
0: for one of those guys straight up. Or C D Lamb for one of those guys straight up as a dynasty prospect.
1: I think because of the depth of the running back position, that's why they're weighted higher. I mean you can get a wide receiver anywhere and there's another great class of wide receivers coming up. Getting a top wide or running back or potential to be a top running back, I mean their weight is a little bit higher. So yeah, I would need like two Brandon Ayukes for like a Jonathan Taylor. I mean, for me, I, I would trade like Brandon Ayuk for Cam Akers straight up. I would do that straight up, or a Brandon Ayuk for, like, a Zach Moss, but not the top guys. Yeah, right okay. Now.
0: Zach Moss is a good one. Yeah. All right. So, right. We've probably gone long enough on that one. I, yeah. I just thought it was an interesting question because sometimes we don't do enough analyses on the all of these players and the thinking that you sometimes have to go through in the transactional aspect to kind of get the mindset. You know, for as much as we do in the show we preview and we do the weekly stuff but sometimes in order to make a difference and prove you know the concept of the show you know where that dynasty league football is the best form there is your decision making has to change you have to think about it in a completely different way and that's the fun of it is all right in normal situations you do this. And it wouldn't be too much to think about. But there are like five different layers. It's a much different chess game. It's mm-hmm. like going from regular chess to 3D chess.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: So uh, we've talked about it a little bit. Let's just get quickly to the Thursday night game. Packers were up in this one uh, late in the game, 34-3 to 3 before a couple of, um, let's say, garbage time touchdowns for the 49ers uh didn't help that uh, i was starting green bay's defense and that they allowed those points at the end of the game but i was kind of forced into it since people are holding like two and three defenses sometimes doesn't make sense to me but we can drop um denzel mims anyway 49ers (laughs) were decimated by injuries i think there was a stat during the middle of this game that uh, not one single 49ers player that touched the ball during the NFC Championship game was currently still on the roster, uh, on the active roster uh, for Thursday night. They had their top three receivers out. They had their top tight end out. They had their top three running backs out. They had their top quarterback sidelined. Kittle um, Kittle's out for uh, eight weeks, probably most of the regular season. And at that point, you got to assume the 49ers are going to be possibly vying for a top 10 pick by this point just due to the amount of injuries. But Rodgers puts up 305 yards and four touchdowns. Devontae Adams continues his absolute tear of dominance as a number one wide receiver. 11 catches, 173 yards and a touchdown. The big surprise out of this game was the amount that uh, Richie James, the former Middle Tennessee State wide receiver who was the number one fantasy pick in uh, college football, couple of years back for yours truly uh, 184 yards and a touchdown in this game first question is Richie James worth a pickup
1: actually switch it around and ask you because you're the one that had him on your college team so obviously you've followed him a lot longer than I have so is he worth a pickup
0: had this been a couple of years ago when he first got into the league maybe uh, because of the way that the 49ers do their offense but the fact that he is behind in the depth chart three other guys and they play a lot of two tight end sets, no. And not for fantasy or dynasty viable. Maybe in the short term, if you're like injury riddled and you just need to occupy a bench spot or if it's a redraft situation, he might be worth a pickup because you don't know when some of these guys are going to come back because Debo's going to be out for a little while. Um, the 49ers only have like two decent tight ends and Jordan Reed is, uh, just close. I, I sincerely have been afraid of him dying on the field at some point. Um, I, I don't mean that cheekily or as a joke. I think he's had so many concussions at this point that, um, I am truly scared anytime I see him go over the middle, but the one thing, again, I'll say guys that do well in space, Richie James was always a guy in college who was kind of that guy. And so if they start to give him more opportunities or he creeps into that rotation um, instead of somebody like Kendrick Bourne, then maybe, but I'm not counting on it. And so right now as a dynasty asset, he's not high up on my list. So
1: the- uh, I Yeah, I agree with everything that you said. I don't think he's going to turn into like a Travis Fulgham or anything like that. Um, maybe a week to week start until they get healthy, but um, if he was who, um, you know, if he played like that consistently, you know, he wouldn't be in the position he's in right now. So, yeah, I agree with everything he said.
0: I will say that uh, for all of the disciples of um, Kyle Shanahan in that offense, so you put him in a Sean McVay offense, you put him in a um, I'm forgetting the name of the Bengals coach, but he's the former quarterbacks coach for the Rams. Um, you put him in a Matt LaFleur offense for Green Bay that I think they can scheme him into space. It's just right now, it doesn't look like the 49ers really want to give him a whole lot of touches. And they kind of had to the other night, and a lot of it was in garbage time. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But the bigger question for me, though, is I think we need to have this conversation. He was out for several weeks during the middle of the season but he's already produced double digit catches on i think 3 of the 4 weeks that he's been healthy um at least 100 yards and i think every game that he's been a part of except for maybe last week and he's put up a, a i think his touchdown rates are huge uh is Devo- where does Devontae adams essentially place in your wide receiver hierarchy of number ones i think he, we can comfortably say he's in the top 5 But where would your top five be right at the moment?
1: Um, I can for sure tell you he's in my top three. Um, And in no particular order, because it's kind of impossible to do, it would be... Oh, wow, I just blanked there. Um, It would be Nuke Nuke Hopkins, Devontae Adams, and DK Metcalf would be in my top three wide receivers right now. And then I'd throw in there Julio... And you can't forget about Michael Thomas as well. Um, so I'd throw him in there. But um, for me, Devontae Adams is for sure one of the top wide receivers in this league. From his route running um, to his concentration catches, his 50-50 balls, um, watching him play football is such a fun thing to do. Um, and you know. I mean, defending er, opposing teams know You know, his name is at the top of everybody's scouting report, and he still goes out there and gets double-digit catches, get multiple touchdowns, um, contested grabs, because you know he's the only wide receiver on the squad, essentially, and they still haven't found a way to stop him. So, yeah, Devontae Adams is for sure in my top three um, for wide receivers in this league.
0: All right, assuming full health right now from what we've seen this season, okay, uh my order would be thus Devontae Adams one, DK Metcalf two, Nuke three, Julio Jones four, Tyreek Hill five.
1: Oh, Tyreek okay. You mean I could I can get down with that. I really, really can. You know, your top three is essential is my top three and I mean I could accept that order.
0: The only reason I would make the argument that Devontae is number one is he combines the sheer volume of Nuke with the touchdown ability of DK. So DK Metcalf has gotten a lot from not a ton of receptions, save for last week, where he had, I think, 11 or 12. But in most weeks, he is not being fed the football or targeted in double-digit numbers. He's getting a lot of long plays and um, great long touchdowns. He's a great deep receiver. And honestly, I would be very tempted uh, if we got to that point, but I think A.J. Brown would be just outside at number six. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that assumes Kenny Galladay and Michael Thomas have not really been on the field much, and I think they're normally top 10 wide receivers but we just haven't seen it like if Michael Thomas comes back this week and he has 11 catches for 120 yards in the score put him back into this conversation but because we haven't seen it this year I, I have no idea where to put it
1: yeah I think what have you done for me lately yeah
0: pretty much and it, you can say with the uh Tampa Bay receivers but there are you know a, a dozen or more top 10 top five wide receivers
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we're going to get to this later on too. you know, Allen Robinson consistently flies under the radar, um, but consistently puts up numbers. Um, You know, I would argue to throw him into the top 10 for wide receivers, um, you know, because you get him a decent quarterback. The thing is, he's never had a quarterback in his entire life. You know, his best quarterback he's ever played with was when Blake Bortles was good for that year or for that two years. Um, So, I mean, what I'm saying is there's so many wide receivers that it can fluctuate from week to week who's in that back end of the top 10.
0: Well, and for what they were producing, I, I would argue that they were producing top 10 numbers earlier on in the season Uh, And one of them still producing at a high level, Will Fuller and Amari Cooper.
1: Yeah. And you could
0: you could easily make arguments for those guys. We forgot Stefan Diggs, although he's fallen off because Josh Allen hasn't been producing much lately. I mean, there are so many good um, stud receivers that you can fill out most of your team that way anymore. I mean, Calvin Ridley didn't come into this conversation. Uh, I mean, it's it's literally all over
1: the field. Terry McLaurin, you know, D.J. Yeah. Moore when he's doing his thing. And then Cortland Sutton, who I was really, really high on. Um, if he can ever be consistently healthy and ever get consistent quarterback play, I think he has an ability to flirt with the back end of the top ten from week to week as well. And we didn't even mention like Keenan Allen or anything like that either. So Oh, yeah. You know the wide I, I think
0: very highly of Mike Williams out there, e- even as much as that. And you start to think about it, and I I'm very uh, curious, I guess is the right word, about what the wide receiver crop is going to be out next year. I looked at a seven round mock draft yesterday, and they had like Devonte Smith going to the Patriots. I mean, dude is fr- it, like he may be the best receiver to come out of there since yep. Yep. Julio. Yep, and I yep. thought that last year I was so oh, yeah. He was the best wide receiver
1: on the team last
0: year. Yeah, yeah, and that was a team that had like all those studs. Yep. So, so I don't know. I, I it's there, and but then you start thinking of the the flight of. So Justin Ross is coming off of a knee injury. I am trying to think of some of the other guys. Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. Uh, there are at least a dozen good wide receivers coming into this draft and will probably be drafted by uh, teams in the 20s. So you're going to potentially good offenses. We didn't mention Adam Thielen. Yeah. Who's had a really good year and has been comfortably inside the top 10 of wide receivers uh, for the entire season. You know, he hasn't had like great up and down, but he's had some weeks where he's been huge. So it's just an interesting conversation to have, but we've probably spent 20 minutes doing stuff other than previewing the week, which is usually the point of this episode. <laughs> All right. So bye weeks, Cleveland, Cincinnati, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, and Philadelphia. First game up we have today uh, is probably one of the more interesting matchups and kind of a week where you kind of have to throw at a dartboard to find out what games may or may not be good. But Ravens at Colts the simple question I have out of this one, you have two rookie running backs. Uh, Mark Ingram's going to be out. JK Dobbins went over a hundred yards last week. And even though we were really high on Jonathan Taylor coming into the season, more points this week, Jonathan Taylor or JK Dobbins.
1: Um, you know, both of these guys are going to be going up against very, very good run defenses. Uh, the second and the third, uh, for fantasy points, um, so far this year. Um, but I'm gonna have to go uh, with J.K. Dobbins for this one because Mark Ingram is out. Um, if he was playing, maybe it'd be a different story. Uh, we still don't know how healthy Jonathan Taylor is, and that backfield is becoming a little murky. Where it's like, well, we don't really know the percentage of carries each person's gonna get um, for Baltimore. And who knows? Maybe this is um, maybe this is a week where J.K. Dobbins never lets go of the starting. Uh, running back spot because we know Mark Ingram only has uh, this is the last year of his contract so I'm gonna go J.K. Dobbins just for pure um, uh, because his opportunities will be a little bit better but both of them are going up against stud defenses today
0: I think I would tend to agree just because Taylor has been more disappointing and it's going against two big defenses Uh, today I honestly don't expect either of them to have great games and I expect this one to be very ugly uh, I think this is a game where we could get a defensive score more than um, uh, one of these guys to potentially score. It, it's just going to be a very tough game, and even though it's in Indianapolis, where you know there's no weather because they're playing in a dome, the the defenses are better, playing better right now than either of these offenses. So, uh, I I look at this one as a playoff seeding. I look at this one as a potentially big matchup. Um, For the AFC, because the AFC has been deeper so far, but I'm not expecting big things out of either of these guys if I had to um, start either of them this week. Broncos at Falcons. Uh, We have a matchup of the two running backs who went in, I think, the 2016 draft. Um, Melvin Gordon, the third and Todd Gurley, the second, both taken in that same first round uh, by different teams. So more points for you, though, this week, Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley.
1: This one also, you know, the run defenses for both of these squads are about the same at nine and 11 uh, ranks, respectively, in fantasy. Um, but this one, I'm going to go Todd Gurley uh, because Melvin Gordon, I think, has found himself in now a running back by committee with uh, Philip Lindsay. Um, Lindsay had a really good great game. I think it was last week or the week before uh within the last 2 weeks. I just think Todd Gurley they give him his touches um and he's been pretty productive with them and he also leads the league in uh rushing touchdowns or he's up there. Um so I just have a better feeling that he's going to score. So I'm going to take uh Todd Gurley for more points.
0: Pretty much fully agree with whatever you just said as far as the the full encompassment. Um Melvin Gordon has kind of fallen into the passing game role uh, the last couple of weeks with Philip Lindsay. The one question I'll have is if they're um, trying to save up Todd Gurley like they did on that Thursday night a week and a half ago. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case because he's had a little bit extra rest this week um, because of his knee. But I, I don't expect the Falcons to uh, basically save him for a playoff push that they're not going to have. So I would go Todd Gurley as well. Seahawks at the Bills, Uh, this one's featuring a Bills team that's, even though they had a huge win uh, against New England at home last week, uh, they've been kind of disappointing over the last several weeks. The Seahawks are obviously resurgent. Uh, They're coming off of that loss a couple of weeks ago against Arizona and then that big win at home against the 49ers. So over or under 17 total fantasy points for DK Metcalf.
1: Um, DK, like we said, he's a top three wide receiver in this league right now. Um, Buffalo, they give up the six fewest points to the wide receiver position, but they've given up some pretty big numbers to some pretty big guys. Uh, week one, they gave up 27 to Jamison Crowder and 24 to Cooper cup. So, um, they have the ability to give up some big days. And I think DK Metcalf is that guy to, um, to break through. So yeah, I think he's going to go over his volume has gone up. Um, he makes a lot out of his opportunities. So yeah, I'm going to take the over for 17 points for DK.
0: Tredavious White has been kind of injured on and off all season. So I don't know if he's going to be nearly the same player that he was, uh, before. And I think he did play last week. So I would assume that he is for this game. Uh, but Metcalf has only scored under 17 total points for uh, a fantasy game twice this season. He's been pretty consistent. The one time I think he got like 15 points, one time he got 18 points. So out of like seven games this year, four games have been over 20 points. I think it's, I'm going to just bet on the averages that Metcalf ends up with over 20 points like he has been all year. That's what you expect out of a top three wide receiver right now. Bears at Titans. Uh, This is featuring two guys that we previously mentioned in our wide receiver conversation. I wouldn't say that the Bears are necessarily um, high on any other conversation or have any other stud player. Um, Even we had a slight discussion on David Montgomery the other day, but you really can't compare him against Derrick Henry, who's leading the league in rushing and is just an absolute monster. But bigger game for you this week, A.J. Brown or Allen Robinson?
1: Chicago has been very, very good against wide receivers. Um, Kyle Fuller is a very underrated, underappreciated cornerback in this league. Um, so you imagine he's going to be spending a lot of time with A.J. Brown. Um, but then you have Allen Robinson going up against a pretty bad Tennessee Titans secondary. Uh, I think they give up the top five, I think, for giving up points uh, fantasy-wise. I think they give up the third most points or something like that. But then you think of the Chicago Bears offense and you think of how hard Allen Robinson has to work to get points. And then you see the emergence of uh, Mooney a little bit, who uh, Nick Foles seems to like. Um, He gets a decent amount of targets. But I think that also has to do with the attention that Allen Robinson gets. Um, So just that's where I'm kind of at. So I'm actually going to go A.J. Brown um, because I think... Uh, For sure, he is their number one target, but he also has Corey Davis on the other side, who's quietly having a pretty good year as well. So I don't think he'll be, A.J. Brown, I don't think he'll be in as much double coverage and see safety over the top as much as Allen Robinson will. So for that reason, I'm going to take A.J. Brown just because I think he's going to have a little bit more space to work with than Allen
0: Robinson. So, Mike Vrabel comes from the Bill Belichick school of, we're going to take away your number one thing.
1: Yep.
0: Except that the Titans have not been able to take away anybody's anything nope. all nope. season. Nope. So I'm going to go with Alan Robinson on the standpoint that the Titans defense is just disappointed overall. And even though I think A.J. Brown could have a very good game in this, that they're going to even out the touches in a lot of places. And the Bears may focus a lot on uh, Derrick Henry, which has been why the wide receivers have produced. But I also think that some of their corners and their back end are a little bit better uh, than some other teams um, that are pretty weak when they have to devote so much of their running game or their defensive scheme toward Derrick Henry. So I'll go with Allen Robinson on the standpoint that the Titans just haven't been very good. Uh, Panthers at Chiefs. Uh, We did get word that Christian McCaffrey is projected to play this week. We don't know to what extent. Uh, He's coming off of that injury that's kept him out basically for the last uh, six, seven weeks. Uh, This is kind of the timeline that we expected when he got hurt in, I think, week two. So what do you expect with him coming back, and what does this say about the Panther offense?
1: You know, I'm always... um a little worrisome when it comes to players coming back from injury, especially significant injury. Um, I like to wait a week, um, but then sometimes it really pisses you off when you do wait a week and you're sitting there and your stud has got 20 to 30 points on your bench because you didn't trust him. So for me and as good as Christian McCaffrey is and as important as he is to this team, um, I'm going to start Christian McCaffrey if I have him. And I would expect a pretty decent day from him. You know, you start your studs, you go down with your studs um, and you feel good about it because at the end of the day, if they didn't perform and some random person on your bench did like, sure, that hurts a little bit, but you can't tell the future. So I I would feel much more, I would feel much better going down with my studs uh, swinging
0: I will say this, and this is not just a, or applicable to fantasy, and it's the conversation that I have all the time. If you would go back and make the exact same decision at that time that you would even afterward because you don't know what the uh, future outcome will be, I feel very comfortable and I don't have yeah. a second thought. Yeah. The only way I'm not starting Christian McCaffrey this week because it's a decent matchup He's still Christian McCaffrey. You drafted him number one. You've held him on your bench or whatever for this entire time. The only way I'm not starting him is if it's a very tight game. You've got a very decent team, and you just need somebody with a high floor to pretty much get you through the week. That's that's literally the only – but it, there the circumstances of your team, because you probably drafted him number one, are that your team is not likely – Uh, to be in that position at this point. So, bigger game, though, for you, the Chiefs' wide receiver core or the Panthers' wide receivers. Again, this is not total receiving options, so you have to exclude Travis Kelsey from this conversation.
1: Just wide receivers.
0: Just wide receivers.
1: You know, um, both of these teams are very, very good against wide receivers. I think ranked third and fourth um, in fantasy for fewest points allowed. Um, So these secondaries are very, very good. I'm still taking the chiefs wide receivers over the Panthers wide receivers, just because that offense is so much more explosive, not having Travis Kelsey in there, obviously, you know, that takes away a little bit because you got Tyreek, you know what he's going to do. Um, and then you just got to, I don't want to say a bunch of random guys, but you don't know which guy is going to be number two, you know, for the day. Cause they kind of switch it up. You'd think Hardman, but you never truly know. Um, with the Panthers, you do know with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, but, you know, the Chiefs' defense is is pretty damn good, and um, I'm just going to go with the better team for this one, so I'm going to go bigger game as the Chiefs' wide receivers.
0: I would mirror your thinking, but as you were kind of going through that, I've kind of changed my mind, and I think I'm going to go with the Panthers' wide receivers. It's been very simple if you've watched any Chiefs' games this this season that a lot of teams are playing a too deep shell and trying to make the Chiefs throw underneath. Underneath, They don't want to give up the big play. Mm -hmm. And Michael Hardman and Tyreek Hill are big play type of guys. They're not possession receivers. They're not getting a huge amount of um, volume in targets. That usually goes to Travis Kelsey. So if it's just purely wide receivers, because I don't think that Sammy Watkins is going to be back, and he was playing kind of that role, that possession receiver guy, I'll go with uh, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore uh, to potentially have a ton more um, just underneath catches, the small ones, the 5-10 yard outs, the um, just stuff intermediately that uh, move the chains type of thing this week than I will with uh, Kansas City. But overall, I I don't think you can really go wrong. You're starting your guys this week, even though the matchup um, isn't as good as you might think it would be. Lions at Vikings, we did get some early news on this game uh, just this morning. Matt Stafford was cleared from the COVID protocol. He will be playing. Uh, Obviously, Kenny Galladay is out for this game, but you do upgrade your passing options for the Lions. Unfortunately, though, I don't know if this is a game that I'm heavily favoring the Lions, and these are two teams that have kind of disappointed in a lot of ways uh, this season so far. So we'll look at the bigger fantasy implications for uh, the Vikings. Last week, we had a big game out of Delvin. The wide receivers had pretty much nothing to say for it. Um, the other few weeks that we've had big um, games out of the wide receiver core, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, we haven't had huge Delvin games. So I'll say bigger game, Dalvin or the Vikings wide receivers?
1: You know, the way Delvin Cook played last ran last week. Um, you would ha- have to say it's really hard for them to do anything else. You know, they went into um, green Bay. They kicked their ass, you know um, Detroit. They give up the second most fantasy points to running backs. That's all I need to hear. You know, I'm Dalvin cook is going to have a bigger game. They're going to run the ball down Detroit's mouth and they'll throw when they need to, but it's not going to be unless they get down big, you know, early for some reason, and they're they're out of game script, but I think Dalvin's going to have a bigger game than the Vikings wide receivers, and I feel super confident about that.
0: Normally, this is kind of that Tiger versus the field type of situation. You're expecting uh, an entire wide receiver core versus one player, but because it's Dalvin, because of what he just did, the fact that they are playing the Lions, I think the Lions are a little bit skewed in the fact that they gave up a bunch of points to James Robinson and Aaron Jones, but ultimately, I, I would tend to agree. I think the Vikings are going to be in cruise control in this game, and if that's the case, they're going to be running the football. So unless they're saving Delvin Cook for the playoffs, and which you know the Vikings are not in a position to do that, uh, I don't think they're running Alexander Madison. I think they end up handing it to Delvin 20 sometimes in this game, and he does the most with it. That is not to say that I am not extremely hopeful that the Viking wide receivers play well this week, given that (laughs) I'm starting both Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, but I'm not hoping on it. Let's say that. Giants at Washington. This was a good game a couple of weeks ago. The Washington football team loses on a two-point conversion late in the game. Um, This is featuring two pretty decent wide receiver twos right now. Terry McLaurin and Sterling Shepard, who has 14 catches, 133 yards, and a touchdown in his last two games since coming back from injury. So the bigger game for you, Terry McLaurin or Sterling Shepard?
1: Last time Terry McLaurin played against um, the Giants, he had a pretty decent game. He had 12 targets, though, seven catches for 74 yards, um, just under 11 points. And then New York, they give up the 11th most points to the wide receiver position. Um, But then the last time you see, the last time that Sterling Shepard played against Washington, he uh, really didn't do too much. Actually, I think he might have been hurt.
0: Um, He was out for that Yeah,
1: he was hurt. Um, But Washington, quietly, they've had a pretty decent job playing against wide receivers. And the fantasy points um, dictate that. Um, they give up the fewest points to the wide receiver position, but I think a lot of that is because they get run on a lot. I guess for me, I'm just going to go with somebody that I feel a little bit more confident with a little bit more consistent. and That's Terry McLaurin. Um, with Sterling Shepard, he's a little up and down. Um, I actually drafted him so many years ago and what I saw from him, like on tape, like I thought he was going to be kind of what DJ Moore is right now and he never really turned out to be that so I'm gonna go Terry McLaurin because I think he's a bigger part of that offense as well
0: McLaurin is one of the few guys that Washington has I expect this game to be kind of a uh, not necessarily a shootout but a back and forth type of affair and it didn't seem like uh, James Bradbury was um, shadowing Terry McLaurin earlier in the matchup uh, a couple of weeks ago so I will go with McLaurin as well, because I think he's produced a little bit more, but I think Shepard is showing enough to be flex-curious uh, in the, the last couple of weeks. And so this is a game where I think it's a lot closer than somebody might think going into it. Texans at Jaguars. Uh, Gardner Minshew is out for this game, and the Texans you would expect to probably have some big games— I stopped very short of making um, David Johnson my uh, underrated stud of the week because it seems like every running back has a huge game against Jacksonville, but I didn't want to get burned again. Uh, I've been so many times this year. That being said, I might still get a half win on the David Johnson conversation by the end of the season. (laughs) I'm just saying. So let's hope for a big game to make my uh, prediction pay off at some point. But we probably expect the Texans to have a really good game. I don't think that's where the interest in the fantasy conversation lies. Start Brandon Cook, you know, maybe in a flex position. Start Will Fuller. uh, Start Deshaun Watson. that's, That's pretty easy. And you probably don't have a whole lot of other options. Start David Johnson this week. So the conversation is bigger on the Jacksonville side. Can you trust any of them this week with Gardner Minshew out?
1: I think if anyone, yeah, it would maybe be James Robinson. He didn't have a great showing uh, the first time he played Houston um, under 10 points, under 50 yards rushing. um, I think under 40 yards receiving Um, the targets and the opportunities were there. He just couldn't really get anything going. I think it might be another tough day for him knowing that you're not going to have a quarterback that you're super worried about. So, It's tough, maybe James Robinson, depending on what your squad looks like, but I don't feel great about it.
0: He might be the only one of consideration, but I think it's going to take him out of game script pretty early. I expect the Texans to be up big in this one, and so somebody's going to get some garbage points, but you have no idea who. And so for that entire concept, if you have somebody else, uh, because you're taking a huge flyer, so either if you're playing like one of the worst teams in your league this week, maybe you can swing it, or uh, if you really need to hit a home run, maybe you start somebody like uh, DJ Chark or Levishka Chenault or James Robinson this week and hope that it works out. But I, I would try to stay away from this game because we have no idea who it's going to be. Steelers at Cowboys. The Cowboys are now starting their fourth different starting quarterback in uh, this season. Uh, They're going with Cooper Rush this week. Um, They're playing a Steelers defense that is kind of smothering. So the Steelers, on the other hand, are probably the more interesting fantasy conversation. We have gotten an alert that Zeke may or may not play in this game. Uh, I think they're going to be more or less garbage points for the Cowboys at some point because the Steelers will be up big. And the Steelers – Pass defense or their back seven has not been nearly as good as their front seven uh, all season. So I guess, though, the bigger question for me is they've kind of rotated who's been the featured guy in their wide receiver core. Some weeks it's been Juju Smith-Schuster, like the last couple of weeks. Some weeks, obviously, it's been Chase Claypool, who is a a big key factor in this. Other weeks they've been spreading it around a little bit more. So who right now is the Steelers' number one wide receiver? I don't fucking know.
1: <laughs> they have three really, really good guys. Um, and Juju, even though he has not really lived up to his really huge rookie year, he hasn't really built off of that. Um, I think Antonio Brown not being on the t- on the field really affected him in that way. Um, Deontay Johnson, though, I think he is he's a catch machine, a target machine. Um, and then you got Chase Claypool, who's their big play guy, their young uh, wide receiver, who I think is going to have a very um, successful NFL career. But I don't, I don't think even the Steelers know who their number one wide receiver is. I think uh, Bing, Big Ben makes it a priority to spread the ball around and get the ball to the open guy. And, you know, some weeks I think they might scheme for some people, and it turns out that the other people are just going to have a better day. Um, so I don't know. I really couldn't tell you who that number one receiver is on that squad. But I'd be happy to have any of those three wide receivers on my dynasty team. But for me, I guess if I was to rank it, I would be somewhere between Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson at the top. And Juju for sure would be my number
0: three. The Steelers don't have a number one wide receiver. Yeah. Pure and simple. If Deontay Johnson had been healthy... You would say that it's likely him because of the amount of touchdowns that he got, that the amount of targets that he got early on. His relationship with uh, Roethlisberger has been better than any of the other ones. But because he's been so in and out of the lineup, it's caused him to have to look at Claypool, ha- have to um, deal with Smith-Schuster. And I think the fact that they have uh, two decent um, outside wide receivers in Claypool and Johnson It's allowed them to scheme Smith-Schuster in some different ways. And his depth of target has slowly increased. He's been their slot receiver. He's been a very good one the last couple of weeks. Um, He has slowly increased that one. So if you're saying just pure volume of target, I think it'll end up being him. But if you're saying any of the other qualities, um, you know, you want to do balanced, uh, you'd probably take Johnson. If you want to do deep plays and touchdowns, you'd probably take Claypool but I think they're actually benefited by the fact that I don't think any of these guys is their number one because they just don't have one. Raiders of Chargers, uh, featuring two um, interesting quarterbacks in completely different situations. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Justin Herbert in this game, but Derek Carr is having a quietly good season so far, and I would venture to say that he's having possibly a Um, top 15 season overall for the year the Chargers defense has really let them down in most games this season they've had a lot of really close comeback losses you think about the Buccaneers the Saints um, the Chiefs late on in that overtime game in week two Uh, you think about even last week against Denver Uh, the Chargers could be a much better team if they figured out how to like close out games but ultimately who has a better day Derek Carr in his resurgent season or the rookie Justin Herbert who's just been lighting it up
1: yeah Justin Herbert has had a very very good season uh for being a rookie quarterback Uh, I know I've talked about how poised he looks and how confident just his command of the huddle um both of these defenses give up uh are giving up top 10 most points in the in the league to opposing quarterbacks you know it's a toss-up for me um I think the Raiders are going to win the game ultimately, so I'm going to go Derek Carr for that reason. Um, but I think it's a great, a great question for sure.
0: I'm going to go with Justin Herbert because I think he's got to put up a ton of points for them to have a chance, whereas the Raiders have a little bit more uh, room to work with, given that they're probably going to give Josh Jacobs the ball 20, 25 times in this game. So I, I would guess that Herbert, just from the sheer volume, will likely put up more points. That's not to say that Derek Carr won't win or that he won't have a very good day. I just expect a little bit more because of how these teams are structured and how these offenses have been. Dolphins at Cardinals. Uh, the, these are two kind of odd teams. The Dolphins are now starting a rookie quarterback. Uh, the Cardinals have been kind of... A difficult team to figure out they've been up and down most of the season but they're coming off of their bye week after a huge win in overtime at home against seattle and right now we've said this coming out of our uh, review episode from the other day that we don't really expect the uh dolphin offense to do a whole lot right now with Tua as the starting quarterback until we've seen it uh miles gaskin is out for this game uh this game is in arizona So I think the bigger questions lie on the Arizona offense, which has been very fantasy-friendly this year. You obviously have New Hopkins, which we've said is a top three fantasy wide receiver. You've got Kyler Murray now as your starting quarterback. He's been extremely fantasy-friendly. So more total yards in this game, though, uh, even though it seems like Kenyon Drake is on pace to actually play in this game. But Chase Edmonds, who's been resurgent, who had a really good game a couple of weeks ago, or New Hopkins?
1: Man, they need to keep Kenyon Drake off the field. Um, you know, Miami, they give up the eighth most points to running backs, and they give up the 11th most points to, sorry, the 12th most points to uh, wide receivers. Uh, you do add in, though, the ability for Chase Edmonds to, um, you know, catch the ball. Obviously, that goes into his total points is what makes this question pretty difficult. But I still think it's new Copkins because I don't think, um, you know, Edmonds, he's not a, he's no Christian McCaffrey you know, he's no Chris Thompson or anything like that where he's going to rack up a bunch of receiving yards. Um, I think he's going to still have a pretty decent day on the ground. Um, but at the end of the day, you're you're, you're stud and the one you want to work the ball to. And still, the, I don't think Miami has anyone that can stop him is new Hopkins. Um, I think he'll have a pretty big day coming out of the bye. Um, you know, they've had two work, weeks to work on it. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go new, new Hopkins for this one.
0: With Kenyon Drake coming back, I think it's going to end up being New Copkins um, because the Cardinals frustratingly don't give Edmonds the ball nearly enough. Uh, I think he's the more explosive player out of him and Drake right now. Drake has had his issues with his uh, feet, his ankles, his uh, knee this year. I, I think other than maybe being their goal line back, they really should be giving it to Edmonds between the 20s, and they just refuse to do that so far this season. So, if they... Free him up if he becomes their primary uh, running back, at least between the 20s. I think there's a very good chance that Edmonds kind of comes out of his shell and ends up having a big game, and they don't have to feature Nuke nearly as much. But right now, other than Kenyon Drake and uh, Kyler Murray being the goal line guys, uh, I think this is probably teed up for Nuke, even though he's going against a difficult Dolphin secondary that had a pretty good week last week against Jared Goff. So, Saints at Buccaneers is probably our biggest game of the day. I think this is our Sunday night game, which, thank God, we got a decent Sunday night game. Not like that um, Dallas-Philadelphia debacle last week. (laughs) And I think we're nearing the point where we can flex in the best game of the week into Sunday night, so we don't have to deal with the dreck that was that. But uh, this is obviously a game between the two quarterbacks. Uh, They're both possibly going to break Jerry Rice's all-time record for fantasy points in a career uh, during this game. They're the top two in every statistical category for quarterbacks ever. They're both 40-plus. This game is really about and will be defined by Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. Uh, We obviously had the Saints win at home early in week one. We thought that the Buccaneers were going to have a lot more struggles the Buccaneers have clearly been the better team since that week one. So, the better total fantasy game for you, Tom Brady or Drew Brees?
1: Um, do we know if Michael Thomas is back?
0: He is supposed to be playing today.
1: And I'm sorry, I Emmanuel Sanders, is he supposed to be back as well?
0: That I do not know. Camara is fully healthy. Uh, it looks like, uh, save for Emmanuel Sanders, that the... Saints will be full strength. Uh, Antonio Brown is supposed to play. Right. I don't think Chris Godwin is playing. Brown I think is Chris playing. Godwin is playing. Well, he might be, but I, I'm not sure. Uh, so, But let's assume most of these guys are playing. I, I Let me answer it first, then, if you, there's a bit of uncertainty and make my argument for this. Okay. I think everybody expects that Tom Brady will outplay Drew Brees in this game. I am not one of those people. I think we've had questions with Tom Brady as a top 10 quarterback uh, in fantasy for a lot of the season. And he's, for the last couple of weeks, put up some very good numbers. That isn't to say that Tom Brady isn't going to additionally put up numbers against a bad Saints defense or a bad Saints secondary this, this year, or excuse me, this week. However, I think that the Saints are going to have to throw the ball a lot more than they otherwise would have. I think that they're going to be dumping the ball off to Alvin Kamara and getting him in space because that's going to be one of their best opportunities to win this game. I expect Michael Thomas back to throw a wrinkle in it, and the Buccaneers' secondary is the weakest part of their team. So I don't expect the Saints to run the ball a ton in this game, and I expect that they're going to have to throw it. So by extension, I think Drew Brees is likely to have the bigger game, not by much necessarily, but just because of the necessity, how the defenses play, how the game scripts go. And this game is a lot tighter than most people think it may be.
1: Okay. I mean, I can get down with that. Um, For argument's sake, though, I'm going to go with Tom Brady. Um, And for the reason, just because he's got all those weapons um, on his side. You know, we don't really know what Antonio Brown is going to be, but you still have Antonio Brown on your squad. Uh, you still have Mike Evans. You still have Chris Godwin. Um, you know, and your run game is slowly but surely coming um, coming through as well. For me, I don't think this game is as close as you do. Um, so, I mean, I could imagine then because of that, Drew Brees having a bigger game just because, you know, he has to throw more. He has to make up the difference. Uh, but I think Tom has a couple uh, touchdown passes, at least two. Um, and I do, I think Antonio Brown gets one because I think they're just going to make a point to get him the ball in the end zone just for that storyline and everything like that. So I'm going to go Tom Brady.
0: That's fair. So for everything we said about the Sunday night game, we have to move to the Monday night game, which is the most pointless fantasy uh, game of the week. I don't know if Jamison Crowder is going to be playing. So if that's the case, there might may, may not be a single uh, starting player for anybody's fantasy team playing on Monday night. And we have the Patriots at the Jets. Uh, the fact that I even have to watch this might be bothersome to me. But I guess the one lone fantasy question right now might be Damian Harris after he had a decent week against Buffalo last week. He's playing the Jets, who, you know, may or may not be a decent matchup. The Patriots obviously need this game to remain relevant to a certain extent. Can Damian Harris get another good week to be at least in the flex conversation?
1: I don't. You know, I, that one's... You know, because Patriots, they're tough for me to, to figure out because you never really know what the hell is going on. Um, New York, they give up the second most points to the running back position this year. So, I mean, yeah, I can see him having another good week, but I'm not putting any money down on it if that's what you're going to be asking. Um, you know, no, I'm going to go with no. I don't think he has another good week just because the, the New England Patriot offense, they rotate so much. Each person that's very unpredictable to um, decide who's going to have a decent week or not. And I just don't think they're all that great. So, no, I don't.
0: Since you made the comment of laying money down, I think it is a good, helpful reminder that uh, we do not necessarily encourage nor support gambling in this program. (laughs) With that, we're going to give you our upsets of the week here in a second. And uh, that's against the point spreads, so take that with a grain of salt. I've actually been pretty good on my upsets of the week this year, which has been interesting. Uh, That being said, I will just give a very basic rule of gambling. Never bet any money that you're not willing to lose. (laughs) I say that from experience. So who is your underrated stud of the week?
1: My underrated stud of the week, and I don't – Maybe you can consider it underrated, but I'm going to go J.K. Dobbins. I really do think that he has a pretty decent week. Um, I think he's going to get a little bit more work this week as well. Um, but we did say, you know, that Colts defense is pretty damn good. Um, but for me, uh, I, I think this could be a J.K. Dobbins, you know, breakout game where he then takes a hold of the backfield and never gives it back for, for years to come in
0: Baltimore. I think this is the week that we look back and we say, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't pick up Zach Moss.
1: Okay. Because ben is going to love to hear that.
0: <laughs> I, I, I understand, and he should be proud of that pick. I picked him up in my one redraft league, and I have him in, and uh, ESPN keeps alerting me that there are other people on my bench projected to score more. But you know what? I'm taking a chance because I think the the book on Seattle is is you're going to have to run the football to try and keep Russell Wilson off the field as much as possible. And I think Buffalo has to reestablish their running game in order to make uh, or put less pressure on Josh Allen to go out and be extraordinary all the time. So they're in a decent matchup. You expect Josh Allen to have a better week, but they're going to need to do some play action and some different things. I expect Zach Moss to have at least one touchdown in this game, and I think he's possibly going to tip over the 100-yard mark uh, against a Seattle defense that has not been great overall. I already gave my game of the week, uh, Saints at Buccaneers. Buccaneers are currently favored at home by four and a half points, but what is your game of the week?
1: I'm going Seahawks at Buffalo. Uh, Seattle's favored by three points. Going into Buffalo, you know, it's, that's always a tough place to play. I know there's no fans, but still, like mentally, it's always a tough place to play. Um, I think, too, it's going to show us a lot. It's going to show us who Buffalo really is. Um, and I think, too, it's going to show us a little bit who Seattle really is, too. You know, 6-1 and one Seattle going against 6-2 and two Buffalo. Um, I think that one's going to be a fun one.
0: Again, I think it's going to be an ugly game, but I, I'm keeping an eye, just personally, I'm keeping an eye on two other games this week, Ravens and Colts and Panthers at Chiefs. So, I think those, not necessarily for fantasy purposes, but might be entertaining.
1: Ravens-Colts, that one's going to be ugly.
0: It's going to be ugly, but I think because of the implications it may have, that that one um, be at least is important.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I, I don't know how much it's going to rate on the fun meter. All right, our upsets of the week. And, again, I think I'm riding like a five- or six-week consistency streak. I even called the our Broncos coming back against uh, the L.A. Chargers last week. So let's see what we can do. I did not see a lot of great upsets. I'm heavy on the favorites this week, if you're just purely asking me. I think Baltimore – uh, ends up winning over the two and a half. I think uh, that uh, Seattle gets more than the two and a half uh, in Buffalo, even though it's a tough to play uh, place to play, and they're going on the road a long way. But just give me either of those games. But I guess if I had to pick one upset of the week, and there are a lot of very high lines um this week. So that's been where the struggle's been at. But I will take the Bears six and a half at the Titans. I think the Bears have a really good shot of winning this game. If there's gonna be any defense that's gonna possibly shut down that Titans offense because they can bottle up Derrick Henry and put them in bad game scripts. I think it might be the Bears. So if I have to pick one that's where I'm going.
1: For me, I'm going back to Seattle and Buffalo and I think Buffalo beats Seattle. I think we kind of see a little bit of the Josh Allen we were seeing at the beginning of the year um Zach Moss as well I think he has a pretty decent day um yeah you know, I just feel like Buffalo they're at a point now where they need to decide what type of football team they are and this is a really really big game to do that um it'd be a really big win so I'm gonna go Buffalo over Seattle all
0: right let's quickly go through our league matchups Tom Terrific versus LDH Tom Terrific is not failing this week uh <laughs> one point out of Bobby Tom in for uh Green Bay <laughs> Versus 31-plus out of Devontae Adams for the opposing team. I think this one's pretty much locked in the bag. Uh, Akron Pros versus King in the North. This is obviously a uh, playoff implication game. Uh, Go Akron Pros. Uh, Dynasty (laughs) Football League versus Dumpster Fire. uh, Two teams that are near the bottom. This might be a uh, potential, let's say, preview matchup of the uh, consolation bracket for the number one pick. Uh, New Boot Goofin versus Ed Winters, another, uh, let's say, out-of-the-playoffs matchup. Uh, Robert, or Rogers rabbits versus Shad Dynasty. If Shad Dynasty doesn't win this game, and let's hope that, good lord, that is so, um, <laughs> I, I think they need to uh, hold up their team and start trading away assets.
1: Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Um, so Dynasty felt um, a little bit better um, going into the week, dealing with some injuries, but we're going to be okay. Trade deadline's coming up with the week, so um, last week to evaluate to see if we can make a championship push.
0: Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again probably as uh, – um, Regular as we should be, now that we can concentrate on real life again, uh, the country's kind of can take a breath. Uh, so we'll recap week nine for you uh, coming up next week. Until then,
1: wear a fucking mask and we will talk to you next week.
0: This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.